Hello and welcome to the Innovative Missional Ministries podcast. I'm Jeff Heisner, video journalist and digital media director for the Michigan District. And today we're talking to Pastor Moses Dangba, whose journey to become a pastor here in the Michigan District is fascinating. Uh, before we get to that entire journey, you had a recent installation at Living Word just in October. What did you take us through that and talk about your feelings as you're going through that? Thank you, Jeff. Really, we enjoyed the installation. It was a long process to come all this. And uh, the journey always, when you receive a call, you have to be faithful to it. And the result of the faithfulness is what brought us to the installation that just recently happened in October. To see the body of Christ coming together just for one purpose, to raise a servant to, to serve in the church. It was so overwhelmed. And uh, just to see all the things, the congregation and different people from the district, the presence was there, the former president was there, who actually uh, uh, give the word of God in that uh, um, installation. And honestly, it was so special to me. It touched my heart to see uh, Reverend David Myers preaching in my heart to his relationship with my father, spiritual father, um, Mandela Kamalo. That just touched my heart so much. But also to see that the presence was there with all the journey that we started with him, he was my mentor, and now he's installing me as a pastor. It was just overwhelmed. I can't imagine to see all those who were there at that time. So mean a lot to me, to be honest, and so overwhelmed for that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, your journey is not the normal path to become a pastor here in the Michigan district. So why don't you tell us about kind of all you went through and what you did. Uh, let's begin with your upbringing. So you were born in South Sudan. What was that like growing up in South Sudan uh, as a young boy? Growing up in South Sudan, uh, Sudan has far away history of civil war that is started since uh, even I was born in 50s. Uh, six and uh, it continued, started again in 83. So when I was born, it was during that first civil war towards the end of it. And um, God has purpose for everybody born into the world. My grandfather was a pastor in, in one of the church in South Sudan at that time. So my first name that was given to me by my parents was Dangbakiti. Then my grandpa come from there and said, no, he's going to name me Moses. So we have this touch relationship with him since I was born. Then when I become eight years old, going to nine years old, he asked my father, it was doing well, uh, People are getting just out of a war. He asked my parents that this boy, I want to raise him. And um, it is not something normal in Africa at general. 
So they agree, then I, I become his boy, going with him in every ministry or every place he goes, we start going around with him. The funny thing about my grandpa was this one. He started calling me my pastor since then. He was calling, he would never call me Moses. He would call, my pastor, can we go here? Can we do this? Can we do this? Then I keep growing at this level with this expectation, just building on me. When I was in high school, I was transferred to uh, North. Uh, our system of school there was kind of different. I went to high school in North. Then the situation became worse with the war. Then there was no way I can go back to South Sudan. The only option is to get out from North to find a, a refugee anywhere. That's when I went to uh, Egypt. Mm -hmm. But even all this should have taken place. My grandpa have this vision in me. And the, I remember I was so young at that time, one of the missionary come from Lebanon. Then he was pointing his finger to him and said, this is my grandson. His name is Pastor Moses. I want him, I want you to take him to Lebanon. I was still young. I remember all the things. So on my journey to Egypt, I have this in my mind that I wish I could know this person or make connection to know him. Then I went to Lebanon to get a chance. I went to Lebanon. I tried to look and look for this uh, pastor. Unfortunately, he passed away. Give me an opportunity to see uh, his uh, church and see his people there. They welcomed me because they know the history, the history right away. From there, I enrolled into the ministry at uh, Bible School College there. Mm -hmm. For two years, the situation was not working right. Lebanon, the same thing, the civil war, and uh, life was not easy. The all objective was to train me so I can go back to our church in South Sudan. But after two years, I got an opportunity to come to the United States of America in 2000. So I'm so glad that I came here and God never gave up on me. He continued pushing me until we had the recently ordination. And, uh, I call it like the prophecy of my grandfather being fulfilled when I being ordained on that time. I remember hearing that as you were still a student in North Sudan, that they took your Bibles away from you. How did you continue to grow in your faith during that time? In my high school in the North, that time we have only small Bibles that we can carry pocket Bible at that time. I had one which was given to me by my grandfather, just in the airport, they take it right away from there. And one thing happened in the high school also was, uh, we, if we wanna continue with our education to go to the uh, university, we have to take uh, Islamic religion as a subject to pass on it. That's when, 
I step in. You know, God works in different way. And uh, I step in and say, no, why can we take uh, a Christian religion as a subject also? Then they say, we don't have a teacher. I said, no, never mind. We can find ourselves and train ourselves and uh, just we need the exam to be done for us. They were not happy on it. So we started working with that. That's where God started calling me. I started working with these couple of students there that, no, we really have to do this. We know it's very hard. That's when I started teaching the Bible. <laughs> then they agree and say, okay, you guys do your things, but we're going to give you an exam. We have to make sure if you don't pass the exam, you fail the entire uh, class and you fail the entire year. We agree upon it. There were about 12 students. And so you're doing this without a, you're, you're the teacher, right? Yes, I become a teacher there. And we don't have anything except the New Testament, small uh, booklet, packet booklet that we have. And uh, this attention is started growing to other people also. <laughs> then from SARS, people started uh, reinforcing us with the written exams and all the things. Then we started working on it with other students. And so grateful to God, 12 of us all passed our Christian religion education at that time. That's where the attention is starting pointing towards me and they say, oh, my life becomes so dangerous now to live even in South Sudan or North Sudan and stuff like that one. But God's make way so I can come to Egypt at that time. So it must have been shortly after that when North Sudan was basically trying to recruit you to fight in the civil war against your relatives, against your friends down there in, in South Sudan. They are system like every system in every country. So young people has to be recruited into the military. So, but it was kind of opposite in North that you can be recruited before you set for your final exam to go to the university. <laughs> then when you go to recruit it, they are sending you to South Sudan to go and fight. That was one of the attention also that grows so badly that, oh, we got our parents, brothers, and all who are fighting there are our people. <laughs> we know we are fighting for the right of the country, the entire country, but this is not the purpose we come here. We can be recruited, but let's we serve locally here. No, that doesn't work right. And uh, there were much attention. That was one of the costs, actually, that bring me to Egypt at that time. Then we get out with the help of the United Nations. But living in Egypt, you know, Egyptian has a lot of population. You cannot survive. And back in my mind, I want to go and see this pastor in Lebanon so I can uh, get what I want. He already promised my grandfather and stuff like that. So you do go to Lebanon and are welcomed there, but then take us through the experience of going from Lebanon to, you went to Chicago first, correct? Yeah, we come through Chicago, yes. So 
Um, when I was in Lebanon, uh, the same process that we had in uh, Egypt, being registered as refugees to have protection, to live legally in uh, Lebanon. And at the same time, be able to work and earn money in that country. So that works successful. I'm so glad to God for that. Then uh, the next stuff on my agenda was to meet with that pastor. Then I find his church where he was serving. But even though he passed away, I was overwhelmed, welcomed it, and uh, they really open their heart to see a way they can help me so I can go back to serve in my country or serve the church that has been visited last time by people from Lebanon. And that was your your plan, was to go back to Sudan, right? And, and to serve there, but, but God had different plans, right? Yes, my Bible actually was to become a pastor. Then I will go back home and get ordained among the congregation where I grew up. And that was something deep in my grandfather's uh, heart that he wanted to see this one day. And uh, God has different plan, to be honest. He has different plan to bring me right here and to live to America. So your path to become ordained here and working in the Michigan district, part of the LCMS, you took the EIIT, which is the ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology. Um, it's a specialized program for people like you who want to serve as pastors yeah. within our district here. Talk about that program and how it, it shaped you and, and enabled you to work here at Living Word. When I was here uh, as a Christian, just going to church, mm -hmm. so I see there was a need that always touched my heart that these people living here as immigrant that doesn't understand English, but they are coming to church and just sitting there and they would not understand anything. That drew my attention right to the verse in the Roman 10, something like that, saying that how can they hear if they, how can they believe if they may hear? And how can they believe if nobody to preach to them? I know this, Preachers preaching, but they are not understanding it. That's why uh, I started a program with a group of six just to teach the Bible only on Saturdays. And it was like uh, once a month when we started, then we started like twice a month. So it was just a way of grabbing what we don't understand during the preaching and all these things or because of language, so it will help our community here. So we started with those people. Gradually, it has become like something people want to be going to, attending from six, coming to 20. <laughs> and we were doing it just in a laboratory. <laughs> so the laboratory started filling up 20 people to have in the laboratory was not really good. So, and we started thinking, what will be the future? I'm not a pastor. And uh, 
I just have this experience of two years in college and not really well uh, ready for this. So God works miracle. We have a retired pastor from the same church, Trinity, who retired already at that time. His name was uh, Richard Leader. So from his heart, he said he want to volunteer to build this church. He will train somebody and he can work out with the district and send somebody to EIIT program. So he started, we were so glad, glad we installed him even as interim pastor for Living Word, for the first person. This works fine, but unfortunately, due to his health and his wife, he was kind of sick all the time. Then he said, no, he cannot continue. Then he dropped up. Then again, I jumped into a driver's seat. We started teaching again, praying and say, what's going to be next? I'm, you know, the journey is not easy. So God answered our prayer again. He brought somebody from uh, South Africa, Mandela, Bishop Mandela Kamalo. He came from nowhere. He fell in love with the congregation. Then he started visiting us. Then we explained to him all what has happened. Yeah, right away, he called the district, right away. Then he speak to certain people there. Then they assigned Dr. Tad Johnson to look after this thing. And I'm so glad, I'm so happy. He was the first person, after we go through all this registration, he went with me personal to St. Louis. Just uh, make sure that the registration went fine and then I am enrolled into the program. So I'm so glad we have good time with him as well. That was just awesome. So to answer your question, how that works? <laughs> how that works? Honestly, during my vicarate, when I was enrolled, mm -hmm. I was a vicar, and at the same time, a pastor or responsible for the whole congregation. It wasn't an easy journey at all. I have a full-time job. I have a full-time uh, congregation to look after, and I have full-time family, husband, and it started like that one. <laughs> so it was so hard. But I was so thankful for everything. What makes me going was this prayer. Prayer and constancy in this stay constantly in a spiritual motivation. That helps me a lot. And this just helped me to continue praising God in whatever situation. I may be going through. And this built me through my spiritual growing and makes me to be disciplined to God in trying to be close to him in prayer, reading his word, sharing his word with the congregation. This helped me 
lot. And also, in other way, I was thinking it's going to be so hard because family issue. Mm -hmm. But, brother, this really brings a joy to my family. My wife and I, we never share in gospel, just me and her. But we are so blessed. She knows how to read my own language very well. She will read for me, translate to me. I will understand it. But we share the gospel with her. And she loves also to serve God. We serve together. She went twice to Africa and refugees camp in uh, and Uganda, just to serve there, God's people there in the refugee camp there and in South Sudan. So it has brought a joy to our heart. It has brought a joy to our home. That's awesome. I know it takes other family issues like vacation. Within all these uh, six years to seven years I got ordained, uh, we have one vacation. <laughs> one vacation. You're due. You're due for yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. We have one vacation. We will try to manage other things about our family, but when it's come to vacation, it become a kind of, oh, how this and how this. And she understand. I'm so glad that uh, we understand it ourselves in that area. Why don't you talk right now about Living Word in your vision, what you have in store for, for the church there? The first vision that I have is to bring Christ to the immigrants who are living in Lansing area, who is trying to hear the word, but they could not understand. We want to bring Christ to their door and also to let we worship in the way that we feel we can worship God with singing and dancing and all the things that are the expression that was right in my mind that these people are missing something. We have a unique way of worshiping God and serving God. And this is really can help not only bringing African immigrants together, even can bring Christ into the midst of American here in Lansing. So one of the programs that we brought up, and I'm praying that this program will continue growing up, is Knowing Your Neighbor Music Festival. This uh, program is a program that I designed it just to reach out to the neighborhood, to the people around, so that they can know that the same Jesus you are serving here, these people in Africa, other parts of the world, are serving him too. But this is how we present him. This is how we dance for him. This is how we praise him. This is how we sing for him. So to bring this unique culture. Not only this, we celebrate also with our cultural food. And you can test Africa right here. 
through the food and stuff like that. It is so awesome. Just uh, how I see the future gradually going to the American or to the community here in Lansing. Uh, yeah, it's so cool to see how God's working through your experience, through everything that uh, you've gone through and been through and the now living word as well. Pastor, we want to thank you for your time. No, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time. And uh, we really appreciate that so much. Uh, well, God's blessings to you. And thank you, the listener, for making this podcast part of your day. God bless. <laughs>